It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host, as I say, this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. And uh, well, it's also Sunday morning right here on 94.1. It's also the day that we go to the house of God to worship the Lord. If that's your tradition to worship on Sunday, it is for the church that I pastor. I pastor Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We are in the Crescent Park Plaza. We start at 11.05, and you've got plenty of time to come out and worship with us today. We'd love to see you, love to meet you. Bring the family to Freedom Road Christian Ministry. You can find us on the web, frcm.us. If you're heading down Capitol Circle, heading toward Park Avenue, look for us on the right-hand side of the road. You'll find our signs out there. And like I say, come and worship with us. Now, anytime that uh, I don't have a guest in the studio, this gives me an opportunity to catch up on some things that's kind of going on in our society and the world in which we live. And there have been times in my life when I said, the whole world has just absolutely gone crazy. And this just seems like one of those times. Just everything out of control. But I never discount the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Father working in our lives and working in the church. And as I've said many, many times, this show, it's all about the church and about God's relationship with his people and how that God is there to sustain us and help us even in difficult times. And I believe we are uh, in one of those times we talked about this the last time that I was with you. The last few weeks, we've had guests in the studio, and I enjoyed that very, very much. And whenever I have a guest, then we want to hear from them and hear what's on their heart and their passion. But days when I don't have a guest in the studio, then I get to share my heart with you. And the thing is, is that as I watch and I view things that are happening around us, I always take it in the perspective of how is this going to affect the church, the people that I love, people who love God, worship God, believe in God. How is this going to affect the work of the church? And uh, you like to think that this would cause people to get in church. And, and get involved and, uh, and find a relationship with God that is anchored in the word to help sustain us through difficult times. But as I was saying, the last time that I was here with you alone, I said, I believe we're in perilous times. The scripture talks about perilous times will come. And truth being... I think that we've gone a new level in perilous times, even since the last time I was with you in the studio alone, which is about three weeks ago. And, of course, back then I was talking about this whole thing that we call inflation. And, of course, I've lived through this before. During the uh, uh, 70s, I saw how it worked. This is a little bit different in the aspect that it's happening very, very quickly and things are escalating very quickly. And of course, uh, the price of gasoline drives so much of it. I was just at a 
gas station just a little while ago on my way to the studio. And this is becoming more and more common. Somebody coming up to me and say, uh, uh, sir, would you mind giving me a few dollars or put a little gas in my tank? And, and I, I wrestle with this. Sometimes I'll do it. And, and see, different people would have different opinions about that. And some people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Other people, oh, you should have compassion. You should do that. And everybody's got to figure it out for themselves. But the truth of the matter is that I have two businesses, and both of them depend on a lot of transportation or travel or modes of transportation which require economical fuel. <laughs> and uh, it becomes very difficult to try to figure out how to be able to make a business profitable when you have a commodity here that is subject to change almost in an instant. And uh, people are struggling. And, and uh, uh, we have these automobiles that are useless unless you have fuel to put in them. So this is all a part of the, the struggle of humanity that we're all dealing with. We're all living through it. And then we're watching as things escalate in the media. It seems to me like that uh, um, the, the two different uh, ends of political thought are becoming more and more intense tense and um, you're seeing these things played out in the media now now keep this in mind I don't watch television news just don't so so I don't see a lot of the images and stuff that you are going to see now occasionally I may be in a room and the television's on and I'll see something but generally I don't so if you're seeing pictures of, of gas lines on television, I'm not seeing it because I'm not watching. But my way of gathering information is through talk media. And I'm listening to what people are saying. And then I'm, I'm viewing all of that through my own personal experiences of what I'm dealing with in my life and in the society and the realm in which I am living and uh, I hear of things such as uh, uh, an attempt on the life of one of our Supreme Court justices you see that alarms me greatly because again you're seeing a society beginning to unravel and then you're hearing people who are in the political realm who should know better that's fueling the fire for those who may be somewhat unstable. And I view all of that and I say, wow, this affects me. This affects my family. This affects my church and God's people. And so I'm watching, I'm observing, and I'm praying. And that's the thing. Is it? We have to have ourselves firmly anchored into the rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus. See so what I would like to think that out of all of this turmoil, of all this upheaval that we are experiencing, that would bring people to their knees. And that the gospel would come alive in people's heart and soul as they realize that, that all of the answers of mankind are not going to bring the cure. Only the ability to keep our heart and our soul firmly anchored in our belief. Listen to the Gann Brothers. 
keeper of my soul. I have no debt to pay. I just felt like that that would be a song that would minister to you as you're preparing to go to the house of worship today. That in the midst of uh, troubling times, circumstances, situations, things going on that's bewildering to us, we are the church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon this rock, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We're the church. We're the mighty army of God with banners and going forth to conquer. And that's why we need to go to church. That's why we need to be around fellow believers. We need to to have that reinforcement that we find when we go to the house of God and hear the word of God proclaimed and, and touching other people and just having ourselves built up in our most holy faith. So I'm encouraging you. If you weren't planning on going to church today, you need to. Now, here's what's on my heart today, and I want to share this with you. Because uh, I tell you what, uh, you've heard me talk about here before on, on this radio broadcast how much I, I love my children and I love my precious grandchildren. And uh, Tammy and I, we've got a bunch of them. And um, when I heard about this thing that took place down in Texas, it just broke my heart. And uh, the time has gone by now. And, of course, uh, as far as the media is concerned, that's, that's, that's old news. It's, they've moved on. But... Uh, there's a community down there that's they're going to be grieving for a long time. I have a pastor friend of mine that uh, pastors are well, he, well. I guess he still does. <laughs> no, he's he's in California now, but he was in Colorado during the time of that uh, horrible incident there in the high school, and uh, he was a pastor in the community. And he shared with me, he said, uh, it's just, you just can't imagine how this community continues to grieve. And of course, the news has, has done all it's going to do. And it's no longer a national news event. But here, those of us who are here, we're still dealing with it. And of course, him as a pastor, and uh, not only dealing with his congregation, but dealing with the community and being there for that community. He says, it doesn't just go away because the media went away. So down there in Texas, there is a community that's struggling, trying to make sense of it all, and trying to get through it. And they have these precious lives that have been lost because of such a senseless act of violence. And, and whenever this happens, so what did anybody gain here? The person who, who did these things, what do they gain? Absolutely nothing because most of the time they end up taking their own lives. And you say, well, that's... It's just the devil. It's just the devil. But the pain and the heartbreak, it continues to go on. And um, we heard this week um, there was some uh, hearings concerning uh, these things. And the story of a, of a little girl who testified and said that she took blood from her friend and smeared it over her body so that the shooter would think that she's already been shot.
shot and that she was dead and he wouldn't kill her. Oh, church, I heard that story and I said, how would this child be able to process this through the days of her life? The scar and the scarring, this is, this is something that, that will take a lifetime to be able to deal with it. The emotional trauma. And so here in this community, people who are people of faith, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're there, pastors and uh, church leaders and, and people who are chaplains and I'm just hoping and believing that they're stepping up and they're, they're not just assuming that these people are okay because you don't just get over something like that. This is something that will take a lifetime for that little girl to be able to deal with. And all of those who were a part of this, whether they were there in the classroom or those officers that were out there in that that hallway that everybody's asking questions about what was going on. And even as they began to question their own selves and their own motives of what we did, what we did right, what we did wrong. All of those things, all of those things there in that community for those people to have to deal with. So as a church, as a nation, we cannot just forget about these people. We cannot just go on and say, well, that's, that's, that was yesterday. 21 lives lost in Uvalde. Victims were a cross-section of a small, mostly Latino town in South Texas. Loving children and beloved educators were killed at Robb Elementary School on May 24th in the deadliest school shooting in Texas history. Just imagine. Just imagine what that community is dealing with even to this day. When you wake up every morning and you realize what took place in your community and these precious children... And what we're going to do through the process of the show today is we're going to we're going to honor these. Um, I had thought to do this on Memorial Day weekend, but it just didn't work out. And um, but we're going to do it today. We're going to play a little music, and uh, we're going to go ahead and and just just tell you who they were because they were people. These were children who had dreams. I'm going to read you their names. 21 victims. Makina Lee Elrod, 10 years old. Layla Salinsler, 11 years old. Miranda Mathis, 11 years old. Nevaeh Bravo, 10 years old. Jose Manuel Flores, Jr., 10 years old. Xavier Lopez, 10 years old. Tess Marie Mata, 10 years old. Um, I'm not sure about the, how to pronounce this. R-J-E-L-L-O Therese, 10 years old. Elena Amaya Garcia, they call her Ellie, 9 years old. Eliana A. Torres, 10 years old. Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, 10 years old. Jackie Cazarias, 9 years old. Yuzea Garcia, but it doesn't give the age there. Uh, J.C. Carmela Levanas, and I'm not intentionally mispronouncing these names. I'm just not sure. Ten years old. Mata Yulena Rodriguez, ten years old. Jayla Nicole Segura, ten years old. And then Irma Garcia, a teacher, 48 years of age. 
Eva Morales, 44 years of age. Amara Joe Garcia, 10 years old. And Alexandria Lexi Rubio, 10 years of age. Precious lives lost forever. But of course, uh, my heart is to believe that uh, they were all believers, that God has taken them to heaven. And I talked about this on the uh, daily broadcast. I heard the uh, former president uh, give an address that was right during this time. And he, uh, um, he read off these names. And, and I was very stirred by by his doing that, and I and I was very appreciative. And then he made the comment. He said, uh, "These are all in heaven, but this shooter is in hell." And I said on the daily broadcast, "Is it? I cannot make that pronouncement because I know about the mercy of God. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying yes or no. I don't know." That's what I'm telling you. I don't know. All I know is that I never discount the mercy of God. But the thing that we ask ourselves is, why? Why? Why did he do this? Well, I, I do believe he was planning it. I don't think that he necessarily planned to do it that day. He'd bought these weapons. Uh, who knows where he got the money to buy all this stuff? Because we're talking about expensive rifles, and he had enough ammunition to to supply a, a small army. And uh, he worked at Wendy's. I said, "Where did where did you get all this money on a Wendy's salary?" But that day, he lived with his grandparents, so we don't know what's happened to the parents in this situation. And he got into an argument with his grandmother concerning the cell phone. Because evidently, the cell phone was on his grandmother's account and there were some issues about payment or whatever. And the grandmother said, I'm going to take it away from you. And that's what triggered it. And that's what he, when he killed his grandmother, stole her car, wrecked the car, you know the story. And then... He was able to to gain access into the school. Now, the first report that we heard was that a teacher had gone out to her car, I don't know if it was a he or she, and had propped the door open with the teacher coming back, but that's not what happened, if I understand it correctly. The teacher went back into the school, closed the door, but the door did not latch properly. And this is what gave the shooter access to get into the school and lock himself in with those children. A lot of questions, a lot of questions to be asked and hopefully answered. But as I said, the media has moved on. There are other things now for them to focus on. And uh, questions are left for that community to try to figure out. But like I said, we're going to play a little music for you, and then when we come back, we're going to honor these that we've lost. It's about greater vision. It's called God Doesn't Care. You have to listen to it to understand that title. You never would believe the way I've lived. God doesn't care. That's what I was saying. I said, I never discount the mercy of God, even for somebody who's done something so horrible. We don't know what happens in those last few seconds of one's life. And so I, I would be very hesitant to just say, yeah, that person's in hell, because I don't know. I don't know. And my heart grieves to think of anybody who would have to endure the tortures and eternity 
in such a place. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am the host, and I have the privilege to do this every Sunday morning here at 8 o'clock here on 94.1 from 8 to 9. Today we are um, honoring these precious lives that were lost there in Uvalde, Texas, in that little community, and grieving with them. And I read off the names of the victims um, and just a little while ago before we went to the music, but uh, we'll take a look at them individually. Um, Makina Lee Elrod, she's 10 years old. I have a picture of her here. Uh, looks like I, the picture I have is I've printed off the computer, so it's, it's black and white, but I believe she's blonde-headed. She's a cute little girl. And it says, Allison McCullough, who will remember Makina's smile, which she said could light up a room. She had the biggest heart, loved her family and friends so much. McCullough said of her niece on a GoFundMe page, last Thursday, or late Thursday, a young boy who said he was eight years old walked up to Makina's cross in the town square and he dropped a single white rose on the pile of flowers, gifts, and stuffed animals in front of it. And uh, I could see that, a young girl who could light up a room. And you know that her family grieves and misses her. Like I say, it's just hard for me to imagine how, how this community will be able to process this. And unfortunately, there are way too many communities in our country and I guess around the world because what I've heard on radio is that uh, this is not just happening in America this we would think that because that's all we ever hear but this has become something that's happening around the world and too many lives lost and too many people grieving over loved ones because of senseless senseless things why? We just don't know. Layla Salinzer. She's 11 years old. And uh, this is Layla loved to swim and dance, and she could really run. <laughs> the 11-year-old won six races in a recent field day and took home the blue first-place ribbons. So now she would run with the angels and her father, Vinnie Salinger. He would jam with his daughter to sweet child of mine, my guns and roses. <laughs> I don't know that song, but on the way to school. The song he wrote on Facebook was the only thing bringing him peace right now. Father God, I pray for Vinny and uh, his wife and his family. I pray for them, Father God. Help them. Help them, O oh God and their quest to try to find peace. Find peace. It's hard. It's just hard. It's, it's hard for this community and this, these families. Layla, let's see. We just did Layla. This is uh, Miranda Mathis. She's 11 years old. This is uh, next to the memorial for Miranda at the town square are piles of bouquets and two gray teddy bears. Someone signed as Chloe, or Chloe wrote to Miranda in the center of the cross, in our last time together we were happy. Someone else had drawn small butterflies. Leslie Rubb, a friend of Miranda's mother, wrote to the Washington Post that the 11-year-old was fun, spunky, and very smart. She had manners, Rudd said in the message. She was a bright girl. Her family describes her as sweet, smart, and a shy tomboy who enjoyed being in nature and the outdoors. Those who knew Miranda knew her great imagination and often expressed her love for unicorns. 
especially if they were her favorite color, purple. They wrote in her obituary. I have a granddaughter that loves uh, unicorns. Uh, unicorns. <laughs> oh my goodness! I know. I'm, I apologize for uh, putting all this on you on a, on your way to church on Sunday morning. But uh, these lives were were precious. You see, I'm one of those that that believes in the sanctity of life, that every life is precious, whether they be born or unborn. And uh, these lives were were precious. Nevaya, as N E V A E H, Bravo. Ten years old. Nevaya, whose name is Heaven, spelled backwards. There you go. I met somebody the other day that had that same name. Heaven, spelled backwards, now flies with the angels. Her cousin, Emily Grace Aaliyah, wrote on Facebook, It just feels like a nightmare that we cannot wake up from. Another cousin, Austin Ayla, told the Washington Post, her siblings have to wake up every day knowing that she is not there with them. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. See, the thing is, these are precious lives just taken from us at just such a, a young age. I mean, so much life still ahead of them. And just senselessly, just senselessly, this person who just did not realize, my goodness, <laughs> my goodness. Jose Manuel Flores Jr., 10 years old. It says, Jose was a good brother. He would try to help take care of his infant brother. His sister, Endora Flores, who is nine months younger than Jose, said her brother would always play with her and support her. Jose's mother said he was her little helper, her little shadow, and would help her around the house. Jose wanted to be a police officer when he grew up to protect others said his father, Jose Flores, Jr. He was a helper, he told CNN. <laughs> I can just, I can just see this. This little boy, they just love to help people. <laughs> and, uh, wanted to be a police officer. But uh, now he's gone. I don't know. Community grieves. This father, his father grieves. This family grieves. Wow. Xavier Lopez. Even at ten years old, Xavier would pull off a or pull off a stylish outfit, complete with a button-down shirt and clean Adidas sneakers. He would also put on a show for the cameras. He would dance in Colombian songs and do face masks with his mom on her TikTok account. <laughs> he was funny, never serious, and his smile, his mom, Felicia Martinez, told the Washington Post, that smile I would never forget. I would always cheer, or it would always cheer everyone up. But he also excelled in school where his uh, favorite subject was art. He loved to shoot hoops and play baseball, according to the Post. His mother said she attended an honor roll ceremony for him Tuesday morning. He couldn't wait to get to middle school. She said, I wanted to share these things with you because I wanted you to know that these were people. 
real life people who who lived lives and had dreams and ambitions and all of that was taken away. You see, the thing is, is it this is a war that we are engaged in. And uh, the thing, the only way that, that we can combat against war like this, this is spiritual warfare. It's through our ability to pray. And this is why I, I was teaching this on the daily broadcast and uh, to my congregation. I said, this is a time when we as believers need to intensify our prayers. And if you're not a person who's, who's adapted spiritual warfare, you need to become one <laughs> because this is war. I mean, we are involved in spiritual conflict. Listen to the pains. We'll talk about it. War. This is war. know it is this is war Satan's come to kill that's what the scripture says to steal kill and destroy and as I read you these names of these children who have been lost and these teachers I mean you talk about stealing stealing from a community stealing from a family I mean, this is this is the real deal right here, and it's just it's just painful to think about these precious children. Tess Maria Malta or Mata, M A T A, ten years old. Tess had a jar full of cash in her purple bedroom, according to the Washington Post. She was saving up money for a family vacation to Disney World. Relatives said she loved the Nickelodeon show Victorious and the Houston Astros. Uh, Maylie Hazy, 16, and Mackenzie Hazy, 17, said Texas, or Tess, was best friends with their younger sister. They remember Tess as an introverted girl who loved her cat. Together they watched one video of Tess and their little sister performing a friendship handshake, which ended with the two girls jumping triumphantly to a chest bump. She was athletic. She could do splits and practice softball. Tess, or Tessie, as some of her friends and family called her, had a contagious laugh, said her sister, Faith Mata. Sissy, I miss you so much. I just want to hold you and tell you how pretty you are. Faith wrote on Facebook. Or Faith wrote on Facebook. We have one sassy guardian angel that I know is going to protect our family. This is the one I had to spell for you earlier. R O J E L I O Torres Ten. It says a large stuffed Yoda along with a Batman-themed football and several stuffed animals greeted loved ones at uh, his memorial at the town square. On the cross of his name was one child had written, You are a good friend. With mighty faces for the two O's and good, others kept it simple. And another message read, Family members and friends have made their profile pictures an illustration of him. He was remembered as a smart and loving son. I lost a piece of my heart, his mother said. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. Wow. Elena A. Torres, 10. 
10 years of age. Wow. These were just, <laughs> just, just children. Oh, my goodness. It says, Elena, actually, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. L-I-A-H-N-A wore the number four on the softball field. She loved the sport and was in contention for a spot on the All-City All-Star team. She was looking forward to her Little League games of the season after school on Tuesday. She was an amazing young girl with so much potential, a family member told the New York Times. She was a leader and loved by her family. Two little, te- two, two little league teams in the area played a game in honor of her memory this week, according to the TV station. Today was her last softball game. She made All-Stars coach Lisa Madaraz told the Little League players that day. She's not going to make her game tonight. So guess what? Let's say we're going to play for her. Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, she's 10 years old, or was 10 years old. Annabelle was a quiet child and an earnest student, having earned her place in the school's honor roll. She was cousins, classmates, and close friends with Jackie Cazarias, another victim. We are a very tight family, Annabelle's great aunt and Jackie's aunt told the New York Times. It's just devastating. Jackie Cavaraz, she was nine years old. Two weeks ago, Jackie received her first communion. The family members describe her as a girl full of life who brightened the day of people around her. Jackie was the one who would go out of her way to help anyone. Jackie's favorite, uh, or Jackie's father, told the ABC News. It gives me some comfort that she would have done something to help her classmates in that very scary scenario. She was cousins, classmates, and close friends with Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, another victim. Isaiah Garcia, um, this is the one that doesn't give the age. Isaiah last visited her grandmother, Manny Renfelin, saying San Angelo, I'm sorry, during spring break. They threw a football together, and Renfro was teaching him pass patterns. Such a fast little boy could catch a ball so good. Renfro told the Associated Press, there were certain plays that I would call and he would remember, and he would do exactly like we practice. Isaiah was the sweetest little boy that I've ever known, Renfro said. Joyce Carmela Luvanus, 10 years old. Joyce would always bring the neighborhood kids to his family's house just a block away from this elementary school where this took place. The yard was often packed with children, his grandfather said, or told USA Today. The 10-year-old would make his grandparents a pot of coffee every morning. He wrote notes like, I love you, Grandpa. Hey, he was our baby. Another victim. Uh, this is Jayla Nicole Sigaram was Jaycee's cousin. Malta Yulana Rodriguez, 10 years old. Uh, green was Malta's favorite color. And maybe it's Matty. M-A-I-T-E. She was always sporting her hair of lime, <laughs> green, converse tennis shoes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Not Harris. She was always sporting her pair of lime green Converse tennis shoes. She had hand drawn a heart on the shoe on the right shoe. Her mother Anna Rodriguez said Malta, 
or Matty, I'm sorry, would always get chicken strips with a side of sliced jalapeno when they went to the Whataburger. She described her daughter as sweet, caring, and goal-driven, and that she uh, wanted to study at Texas A&M University and become a marine biologist. She taught herself how to sew from YouTube videos. She had just picked up a camera and was practicing photography. And when it came to PE class, she wanted to win. And I lay here on this empty bed with tears running down my face. I would like to say to my baby girl, it's not goodbye. Said, I'll see you, sweet girl. Rodriguez wrote in a tribute on Facebook. Jayla Nicole Sikura, 10 years of age. It was a uh, character, it was characteristic of her. Her parents said to uh, always uh, wish her mother a wonderful good morning. And uh, it says she always liked going to school, but she didn't want to go yesterday for some reason. I think she knew something was going to happen. And uh, they described her daughter was always dancing. She liked watching TikToks, but she often spent her time outdoors. Wow. Irma, Irma Garcia, 48. This is one of the teachers. Trying to turn my page here. <laughs> um, she was about to complete 23 years of teaching at Rob Elementary School. She started teaching about a year after she married Joe Garcia, her high school sweetheart. They loved to barbecue together. These two will make everyone feel loved no matter what. They have the purest hearts ever. On Thursday, just two days after the shooting, Joe Garcia died from a heart attack. And uh, we heard about that on the news as well. Um, Amira Joe Garcia, 10 years old. Amira was known to be protected of her brother, um, her three-year-old brother. She would kiss him every morning before she went to school, her grandmother told People Magazine. Her family will remember her as a hero. She was trying to dial 911 on her tele cell phone when she heard the gunshots. My little love is now flying high with angels above. Amira's dad, Angel Garcia, wrote on Facebook, please don't take a second for granted. Hug your family. Tell them you love them. And I would uh, concur with that as well. Alexandria Lexi Rubio. There was a lot of Alexandria was looking forward to in practicing softball and basketball. The fourth grader got straight A's in elementary school and had just been awarded a Good Citizen Award. Our baby wanted to be a lawyer. She wanted to make a difference. Her mother, Kimberly Rubio, told the New York Times, please make sure she makes one now. And uh, my first thought was, my Lexi doesn't even like him, she said. She was really little, but we talked about this stuff at home. Wow. Alethea Ramirez, 10 years old. She loved to draw. She submitted a drawing to Doodle for Google. Her father told uh, KSAT-TV she shared her love of art and soccer, and, uh, and she uh, never imagined that this little girl would be mature enough to say, hey, you know what? I want to keep in touch. I want to check in. I want to make a painting and bring a smile to your face. <laughs> she sent a drawing to, of her sketching in heaven while she was drawing on earth. And uh, wow, she loved to draw. These precious children, gone, not forgotten. And that's why I wanted to bring them to your attention today because they're, they were people. 
that lived on this earth, and there are people who are now being mourned over by family members that love them dearly. And uh, it just shouldn't be something that we just, well, the media has moved on, we just pass over. Pray for this community. Pray for these families. Pray that uh, they'd be able to deal with these things. And that the Spirit of God would just come to them and just love on them. And these moments when these things would just come to their minds and they begin to think about these who are lost. But I thank God. I thank God that He alone can bring the ministering touch to this community and to these families and to these loved ones. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this community. I pray for these people. I pray, Father, for these families that have lost these precious children, these teachers. And Lord, for for everybody that was involved in this, Lord God, help them to be able to process it Lord God, that you would bring a peace, a peace that only God can bring. As the scriptures say, that peace that passes all understanding. Father God, help them. And Lord God, I, I just place them in your loving hands. And Father God, we pray for our country, Father. We pray against this violence. God, let there be peace. Let there be peace. Father, we pray for America. We pray, God, for our churches, for our pastors. And Father, we pray for peace around the world and peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.